Welcome. We are your hosts for Bitches Be Brave. This is Heather Hobbs. And this is Bev Steele. And together we are everyday working women trying to raise a family, succeed at our careers, stay fit and healthy, and still look hot. It's our hope to address the issues that we deal with every day and to bring you the knowledge and information from the top experts so that together we can truly thrive and experience wellness in all dimensions of life. And because we care, please remember the thoughts, comments, and advice of this podcast and our guests do not substitute medical advice and you should consult your doctor before starting any new program. And we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at bitchesbebrave at bitchesbebrave.com or visit our website, bitchesbebrave.com or Instagram at bitchesbebrave. Welcome, episode 38. And ironically, it's also week 38 of the year. And that means that we have been consistent with our podcast every week of this whole year, which I'm shocked. It's honestly the first time I've been consistent with anything for 38 weeks ever in my life. Yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually good for two. So this is, this is really good. <laughs> and I think it's, it's ironic because this week we interview Katie Sandler. And Katie's story is amazing. The adversity that she's overcome, the obstacles in her life that, she was over, that she's overcome, and she's now turned into her passion and her career. And she talks about that, about finding your true worth, your true passion. And so I think for me, I I did a little reflecting today and just um, how, you know, doing this podcast and starting it was something scary, but it was also something that I feel I needed to do. I think there's, you know, I can be odd and weird and, you know, a lot of other things. Totally neurotic and controlling and many other things. (laughs) However, I think there's a lot of you out there that are very much like me, by the way, that I I get because we get feedback from you. And And it's okay to be all those things. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And that's what we hope to do is to say, look, you know, we want to motivate each other that we are united and um, support one another. Yeah. I got to tell you, I fear set in when Katie was talking about coming into the house and looking at, you know, your house, your environment, your office. And Heather and I were talking about it after the podcast. And I mentioned this bottle of ranch dressing I have in my kitchen that needs to be returned. It's been like three weeks. And Heather says, oh yeah, I was wondering why you always have that that bottle. (laughs) So Katie would have a field day with that bottle of ranch dressing. We have, I mean, I think we all have stuff, right? That we we cover up. And if you guys were to walk into my home office right now, it'd be, it's a hot mess. It's It's not something I'm proud of. But we have, we're trying to balance, right? So cleaning up a bottle of ranch dressing or cleaning up an office. I mean, these are things that junk drawer, junk drawers that she talks about. Mm -hmm. Why do we leave things like that? Well, because we're balancing a hundred million other things going on. Is that an excuse or, hmm, that's Hmm. what we need to figure out. Yes. But it was a great interview. She's so insightful. I just absolutely love her passion. And when you hear her story, um, you're going to be shocked. So you're going to want to listen. And here we go. We are here today with Katie Sandler, who is an impact coach and creator of the Impact Retreat and Impact Adventures. She applies methods from her intuitive gift, backed by intellect, education, and training to impact the lives of others, who in turn impact lives around the world. 
The Impact Retreat is a three to five day tailored experience that combines luxury, wellness, and culture to balance the mind, body, and experience for personal transformation. Katie herself has overcome immense physical and mental hurdles, including being born without an ear, overcoming paralysis at age 17, and subsequently facing depression head on. These, amongst others, have been the key catalyst of her professional career and helping clients reach that aha moment. With over a decade of experience, Katie Sandler has her master's in mental health counseling, her bachelor's in psychology, and a background in psychiatric research from John Hopkins. Furthermore, she's experienced working in hospitals and private practices, building successful business ventures and a strong foundation in mindfulness. And Katie, we are so excited to have you here. And what a story that is and just how you've overcome so much already. And we, we thank you for being on the show today. And I would love to just, you know, hear your story and tell us kind of what gave you, you know, how did you overcome all of that? And how did you get to do what you're doing today? Well, first off, thank you, Heather and Bev, for having me on the show today. I'm so honored. Um, I will tell you, it never, it's always so surreal when I hear that recap. Uh, it seems like that that really happened. And it's very much so what has shaped me to where I am today. Uh, being born without an ear, some days it seems like it was nothing because of the way my parents helped me move through it. And other days, it's, it's a little mind-blowing to wrap my head around myself. Um, it's almost as if, it, you know, things in life, they happen, and you have a choice on how to go about it. And as a child, I definitely didn't have that choice, but my parents did. Um, so I'd like to think that they instilled this really great sense of character as a result of that, which set me up for when I was 17, um, it's a kind of a crazy story. I was in school and I had a really horrible pain in my side. Um, and fast forward a couple of days later, I was unable to move from my waist down. And as terrifying as it was, I think at that age, you're not capable of really processing what's happening. You're kind of fearless um, in the sense of, well, what is you the ability to say oh my god is this permanent or what does this mean for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and I'd like to think that the way my my upbringing was around the ear and the surgeries of the ear and and the choice and and to make to make light of it and to find strength in it set me up to be able to have the strength that I just innately had to overcome the paralysis but what I wasn't prepared for was the subsequent depression. Um, it was one thing to have a support system through the physical parts of the, the paralysis, but the rest of it was all up to me to do on my own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where my education really in life began, was this notion of this mind-body connection and how can we make these choices to care best for ourselves? Um, because often, you know, you're told by others what to do for yourself, right? When something's wrong, you go and you seek help. And um, that help, you know, ends up getting you in the right direction. But I started to realize at this age that a lot of it was up to you to figure out yourself. 
So that led me into the field of psychology because I wanted to figure out, you know, how do we help ourselves and how do we help others? Um, that also led into my master's and my research at Johns Hopkins. And primarily, I think the two things that, that really led me to wanting to help others and inspire others to help others is I grew up in a very philanthropic family. And in addition to that, I was struggling at one point very, very badly with depression. And I didn't know what was going to help. I had no idea. And, and I think we've all been there at some point, whether it's depression or not. I think all of us hit this point in life where we go, what am I doing? What am I really doing here? You know? And I sat down with someone and I said, if I had purpose behind all of this, I think that that would be it. That's the answer. That's the answer to everything. If I can find purpose in this or that, the adversity, whatever it may be, well then when the days you don't know what you're doing, you do know what you're doing and you have that to fall back on, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up, um, that's why I ended up getting to work at Hopkins was I was studying purpose in life there and it's uh, mitigating factors on neurodegenerative diseases and things of mm -hmm. such. Um, and that pushed me forward into my private practice. Um, I wanted to work with people one-on-one -on -one and help them overcome their adversity, but then also find purpose because I believed so much in that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I ended up getting a crap ton of trainings because I just love education. And I find that the more educated we are, the more equipped we are to handle everything, right? Um, and the better off I could help serve my clients and my community. Um, and then in the midst of that, I'm sorry, this is long winded. Wow. Um, in the midst of that, I was, I had worked in a hospital setting. I had worked in a private practice and I said, there's a really big gap here. Um, there are people out there that need help that don't need to be in therapy all the time, that don't need to be in inpatient settings, that some retreat, some generalized yoga retreat isn't going to be quite what they're looking and so I set out to create a program that gave people like the quintessential tools to living and, and the same time address them individually, address their needs individually, because this whole notion of one size fits all does not work. Right. Mm -hmm. And we know that we know it does not work. So I said, where, how can we create something? How can we fill this gap? And I built the Impact Retreat, which is a one-on-one -on -one service, as well as the group adventures. So you get this cultural experience mixed with these quintessential, you know, um, life lessons. So um, that's where I'm at today. And that's what's brought me here. And, and I think the overarching thing is making an impact. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. It's about a collective effort. And I think the more that we can care for ourselves and then the more we can care for others, that's what's going to make this um, community thrive the way it's supposed to. I love your explanation of the kind of combining that. And it just reminded me of a, of a weekend that Heather and I had. We went to this place in Palm Springs where you can cleanse for the weekend. You literally pay not to eat. <laughs> and they combined the weekend with different things that really brought us to, you know, really why are you kind of here? And that's really what I remember the most 
more the yeah. smoothie I have. <laughs> you know, it's really like, I think that when you seek maybe a, a yoga retreat or some type of retreat, there's really something within you that is seeking yes. something else. So um, on, on your website, you talk about the aha moments. Is the... Is the goal what on the retreats, and I know that you, if you can talk a little bit about the retreats being a group versus a one-on-one, is right. that to find the aha moment? So what I have, what I have found, excuse me one second, my dogs are going wild, excuse me, hello, hello. It's, what fine. I have, <laughs> it's fine, our listeners are used to hearing dogs. <laughs> so what I have found is that, um, when I was working in my hospital settings and in my private practice, that we could talk for hours, I could teach you for hours, we could do all of these things, but it was the light bulb moments that enabled shift. Mm-hmm. You know, it was these aha moments when you lead someone to an aha moment and it's theirs, that's when things start to happen. Mm -hmm. Without those light bulb aha moments, people are kind of just rummaging. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But once we have something that clicks with us, it ignites this motivation. And that's what we're always looking for. So what you just said is people are seeking. We're always seeking something. Unless we're in motion, unless we know how to be in motion ourselves, um, oftentimes we come to a point where we're um, stuck, we're stagnant, and we're seeking. And those are wonderful opportunities to stop and say, okay, where am I and where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't have the tools to do that. So by helping them discover these aha moments, then they can recreate them on their own. Okay, so you're not just um, helping lead them to the aha moment, but you're also teaching them how to get those on their own moving forward because those are the catalytic moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's the best way of describing the aha moments and they're so different for everyone. Uh, and, and it's crazy once that light bulb goes off, it's like, all right, game on, let's go. So yeah, that's what we do. And that's, and that's the essence of the impact retreat is 60, 90 minutes isn't enough to get those aha moments. Um, oftentimes you're walking into an office and, and I love therapy. I have to say that. I go every week. I can't live without it. Like you, everyone should do it, honestly. <laughs> everyone should have a person in all reality. So whether it's therapy or coaching, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a best friend, we all need someone that's there in our corner in this way, which they know is quite unlike anyone else does, which we feel safe with them quite like we do with anyone else. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So so as a therapist, we're trained to do that. Life coaches, uh, you know, some are, some aren't. So we do want to be careful there. But the essence is, is you go in for 60 to 90 minutes to talk to talk about you, to paint a picture, so that then the professional can say, well, what do we do with this picture? What do we need to do with this picture, right? So what I found was the longer you can give someone to talk, the more you can hear their story consecutively, the more you have opportunities of the aha moments. Mm -hmm. And that is very profound. 
right? So it's not just a, let me hear how you're doing this week, which is necessary. That's great follow-up. It's, it's uh, great to stay accountable. But what's necessary is you, we all need an opportunity to get it all out. Yeah. And I don't know who provides that. I mean, I think like you're right. I, I, so many times, cause I'm a big fan of therapy. I've done it for many, many years. Um, still do. But, <laughs> need a lot more. Um, <laughs> but I think that, I mean, you're right. Like sometimes it's like you might have a session where you're like, okay, great. But, but now what? Um, but the thing I wonder about, like about doing something about the impact retreat, and maybe you can, ex- you know, go further on this is I think kind of like even I, I would equate it to like going on a girl's trip where you just like with your best friend and you guys just over the course of a, a weekend or whatever, you get it all out. You come up with like, you know, clarity because someone's going to point out to you, why are you doing this? You need to fix this in your life. Right. And you're like, yes. And it becomes so clear to you that you need to go back and you're going to like put all these things into place. But then you get back to real life and real life is so different, right? You go, well, you know, I, I can't because I don't have time or I don't have the money or I don't have the, the ability to, to affect all these other people. And so like, what do you do and how do you help people? Because I can see you have that aha moment over the course of this retreat but then they have to go back, right? And they have to be in their real life and they have to take all of those things that they just learned and actually apply it to make change. And I think that is truly the, the difficult part. And so, um, yeah, what does that look like for you? So I think that was another one of the most motivating factors for developing this program was, you know, you sit in an office and you can talk about all the tools and all the things you're going to apply in your everyday life, but then they leave and what's the likelihood of really doing that? So over the course of these three to five days, um, I'm in your environment. So first and foremost, I think that's one of the most intriguing things about the impact retreat is that with your blessing, I come into your home and your workplace. So I get a firsthand experience of what's going on. So this way it's much less biased than what you're reporting to me. And I can say, oh, well, you're very disorganized, and that tells me a significant amount about you, or, oh, wow, you really like to clutter things, and that, and so on and so forth. Um, what, is your, what does your refrigerator look like? So now I'm getting this picture, mm-hmm. and right then and there, I'm already instilling practice, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll give you an example. Um, I had a client once, and they had a drunk drawer, because we all have a junk drawer. And I said, Do you, are you okay with this? And he said, no, I'm not. <sighs> well, great, so let's do something about it. So in 10 minutes, we cleaned out the junk drawer. And not only did we clean it out, but then it was organized in such a way that when you throw things back in your junk drawer, this is how you're going to throw them in. And then every other month you're going to go in and it's going to take you 10 minutes to do this. And now, you know, you, you viscerally know it takes you 10 minutes to do it and you're much more inclined to actually do it yourself. So throughout the entire retreat, I'm actually walking you through your practices. We're not just talking. So some of that might look like some mindfulness practice, right? One of the best ways we can change our behavior is to clearly, is to get clear and aware on it. So one of the first things we do is we start learning how do you build awareness around all the things you need to tend to in your life differently than what you've been doing thus far, because clearly what you've been doing thus far isn't necessarily working. 
So we walk through these things. If you're someone who needs to change your eating habits, then you bet your ass for those three days, we are changing your eating habits so that when you leave, you have a taste of what that was like. So you're much more inclined to follow through behaviorally, right? Mm -hmm. If you need to walk and talk on the phone for your meetings so that you get in some sort of physical activity, well, then we're going to schedule a meeting during your retreat so that you can be on the phone walking and talking so that I can ensure that you're having these practices experienced before you leave the retreat. And then naturally we follow up. So I'm right there for you. The beauty of the retreat is when you sign up for it, it's not just the three to five days. Um, what's included in that package is also four follow-up sessions. And most of my clients end up staying on afterwards as well. So whether that's a bi-weekly check-in, a monthly check-in, um, all of it's on the phone, which is really convenient. So that's, you know, that's where it's at. And I think that's the biggest difference is how do you go on a retreat and learn all this amazing stuff and then apply it when you get home? It's, it's hard to do that. Yeah. It's hard to break out of your routine too. So. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, just that first part, thinking about you coming into my house, into my office and into my junk drawer, just yeah. scared me so much, <laughs> which tells you I need. Yeah. <laughs> Tells you you have a junk drawer. <laughs> have a junk drawer. I'm gonna clean it out, out immediately after this. I'll show it to you, Heather. You can kind of. <laughs> well, wait a second. There's nothing wrong with having a junk drawer, and that's it. That's the whole. That's the whole principle. There is. There's nothing wrong with having one. You need to ask yourself: Are you okay with it or not? If it makes you feel unorganized and causes discomfort, then do something about it. If it doesn't, then by all means, keep that junk drawer rolling until it overflows. Well, isn't that funny that sometimes I, I wonder, kind of like the whole Facebook thing, right? Like we compare ourselves to what we're seeing or hearing other people say. And so I recently, um, I have a group chat with a bunch of my college girlfriends and they were talking about um, how they were like, um, what do you call it? Mari Khan, right? Yeah, they were oh, Mari Kondo. Yes. 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 They were Mari Khaning their house. And I was like, I started to get like anxious, like, well, shoot, like they're clearing out all this stuff. And they were, it was like updates all the time. And they were talking about how they went through their shoes. And so then it made me like, look at my shoes where normally that hadn't bothered me that I had like <laughs> this enormous, ridiculous shoe collection. But it was like, the more I was hearing about other people, I start comparing myself and then it starts to affect you where, um, you know, it's not off the bat, something that would, would affect me, but but that's cool. I mean, that's culture. That's what we're in right now. That's what we've always been in. I mean, I remember, you know, 10 years ago, if you asked me how many shoes I had, I'd be like, oh, I have like 50. And it was something that you celebrated, right? The more shoes you had, it was something that was celebrated. Whereas now, the more minimalized you are, the more minimalistic you are, um, the more celebrated it is. And, it, and at some point, this is this kind of one size fits all that does not apply. But you need to take a, you know, a, a deep breath and a big step back and say, what do I want? What's good for me? Not comparing yourself, not keeping up with the Joneses, you know? Yeah. So how much is the family or the friends or the boyfriend and girlfriend incorporated into this process? And the reason I ask this is that I just went on a business trip for a couple of days. And when I came home, 
everything that was left out, maybe a dirty dish was actually in the same place. There was stuff on the stairs. And I said to my husband, it's like, my husband and my daughter were erased while I was gone and they were placed back in and nothing had moved. <laughs> so as I'd like to do that junk drawer, and right. it sounds like an excuse, there's a lot going on in our listeners' world. And we'd all like to have that perfect junk drawer, but is part of your process helping to set boundaries? You know, talk about that. Yeah, I think uh, to ask me about our, our our support system or our community, if you will, right? Um, and the people that we surround ourselves with. And so how much does this involve them and how much is this really just about ourselves? Um, obviously we can't, we're not isolated. So whenever I work with someone, I always work with them in the context of their community, of their family and, and their system, so to speak. Um, but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is, is helping you be your best. And when you're your best, you're so capable of articulating your wants and needs and those boundaries, much more capable than when you're not clear on those things, right? And in doing so, you recognize where you begin and they end. You recognize, you know, what do I have control over with myself? And then what are the things that I can do to influence those people or the community but it, it ultimately has to start with you and then up you know and then it's up to the client to say how much do you want these people involved but yes there is a very firm boundary that gets put in place um, I think that boundary is so necessary for everything that we do in life in terms of where do we begin and where or where do we end or begin and where does everything else pick up right so like the the whole notion of work-life balance if you will um it's so blurred you know they're so synonymous now so at the end of the day i think the best way to approach this concept is to say well where, what do i need who am i what are my wants and needs and then how does that play in to my system how does that play into the people around me and the environment and the community one of the things that you said, um, you know, kind of going back to your story about that things in life can happen and you have a choice, right? Yeah. And kind of what is your purpose? And I look at, I mean, your own experience. I mean, you've overcome so much um, in your own life, but that kind of propelled you, right? To turn that into using that um, for you to kind of create a positive attitude and help others. But I have to think, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who... I think that's just so hard to do, right? Given the, their circumstances. And some, I mean, you see some people that you think, how in the world does this person overcome that? Um, and you see people with much less, you know, issues that aren't able to overcome it. And, you know, I guess I just, how you help people to recognize and realize that, um, you know, how, how we take that, right? How we take some of this adversity that we have in our life and turn it to a good. And how are you able to help people find that true passion um, and turn it into something much uh, better? Yeah, I think for me, I can say I was desperate. My desperation is what led me to finding this. Uh, so when I was desperate, I was a victim. Um, everything had happened to me. I was never educated that I could simply shift my perspective. So once I was even educated 
that I had the choice, I think that was when the seed got planted for me. And then watching how that evolved, it, it becomes a responsibility, if you will, um, recognizing, oh my God, I can be a victim, which who wants to do that? or I can actually make something out of this. Um, I think I wanted to be reinforced for making something out of it. I didn't want to be perpetually reinforced for there being something wrong with me. And that made sense to me. Um, I think I had some people in my life that modeled the victim mentality as well, where I was able to point my finger and say, I don't want to be like that. So having that perspective is what enabled it for me. I think being able to educate others simply on the semantics of choice and what being a victim is versus facing adversity and making something out of it is honestly what helps people. Um, if we talk about religion and we talk about purpose and we talk about science, through, throughout those, I typically get someone to click with understanding, find your gift and give it. Mm -hmm. And when you take on that attitude, it's very hard to be a victim. You're making the choice to be compassionate to yourself and others. Um, you're making the choice to do good. You're making the choice to say, I'm scared as shit but I'm gonna stand up in the face of this fear because the latter is to cower and I have nothing to lose either way. Um, so I think as, as simply put as that is, that is how I help people do that. Um, that is very much so what helps people say, I am facing this adversity but I would rather be the strong woman or man in the room, not the one that's losing out on life in the corner. Um, so that's really what it's about. It's helping them paint that picture and make it and take that responsibility and that choice and holding their hand through it, you know, making it not seem as scary as it might seem. Well, you talk, uh, you talk so much about education and I think that's the real value of your program is that you, you know, you have been educated and you can hold their hand and get them to that quicker. I mean, I, it, it amazes me. And, and my mother says this too. We'll learn something that we didn't even know. We're like, oh my gosh, I've lived all this time. And I didn't even know that. Right. So right. you have people, you know, we get busy in our lives. We get busy in our jobs. We can't, you know, see the forest through the trees. Right. And you're able to come in, evaluate, and then guide them through your education a little quicker so having said that and, and i just want to say that is exactly yeah. what it is i i have spent over a decade getting more educated than most people <laughs> would would really opt to do and um and what i do is i take all of it and with my gift with you know i have an intuitive gift i'm able to say well what's going to help this person and within the first couple of hours, I've thrown out a handful of, or, you know, of theories or practices to say, okay, they're clicking with this, okay, these are the things that they need. And then we get that shift to happen at such an exponential rate. So yes, thank you for- yeah, I had an aha moment, I did. I just had an aha moment. I'm like, I get it. So you've collected this information and 
can you tell us like how do you then prepare for the retreat yeah types of things would you take journey would you take them on so I think this is my favorite part of the whole practice it's like my um my magic hour, if you will. So someone will come to me and they'll say, hey, I heard about you for this and that. And we'll have an initial conversation. From there, if this is something that they're ready to do, because it's a big investment, not just uh, monetarily speaking, because that's a small portion of it. It's really a big investment in yourself, right? I mean, you're going to take three to five days to invest solely in yourself. That's fabulous and, and scary and intimidating at the same time. So I meet you right there. Um, I want to know, are we going to be a good fit? Because there's, I'm not going to take you on if I don't think I'm a good fit. And if I'm not, I'm definitely going to help you find who is a good fit. So I'm not just going to leave you hanging at the door. Mm -hmm. From there, if, if we decide that we're going to work well together and this is the right program for you, we spend about two hours on the phone initially. Um, and that's just getting some basic insight to who you are, what you're looking for, from there, after that phone call, I pretty much orchestrate this whole itinerary, depending on what I think you're going to benefit from the most. So for an example, perhaps I have someone that comes to me that wants to lose weight. And obviously, it's going to be a lot more, you know, about a lot more than just losing weight. But great, let's start there. So we're going to have a private chef. We're going to do some nutritional learning. We're going to walk through making some, um, some meals for the week. So you can see how easy it is to do on your own and or. So you can see how actually affordable it is to bring someone in and do this for you. So right there, that's, that's an example. Um, perhaps we have a yoga instructor come in or a Pilates. Um, things of that nature. And then what you're going to get from me is a lot of the behavioral components. So now we're going to dive deep and see where does this originally come from? How can we move past that quickly? And then what are the things that we're going to do in moving forward um, to implement success for you? So that's just one example of, of how perhaps this process might go with a client. Um, and then I'll deliver the itinerary to them. And if they want to tweak it, they'll tweak it. From there, we have our initial date where we meet together, um, where I come into your home and your work. Um, after the, the first day is spent in your environment, once we're done in your environment, we leave and we retreat. Because I have found that it is very difficult for people to focus on themselves when they have everything else going on, right? So now we retreat for the next, for the duration of it. Um, if you're on the five-day program, it's broken up a little differently. Those are usually for people that need more implementing into their daily lives. So now I'm walking you through more things through your days instead of actually just retreating as well. So that's the difference between those things. Um, and then once we finish our retreat, you go on your merry way, and we have a follow-up the next week. And I'm at your beck and call. So even though we have these hours put aside, you know, these concrete chunks of time, if you need me, if you need to send a text or whatever, I'm your person. So I really want to make sure that this investment that you've made is going to pay off for sure. I am curious. I've heard you talk about that, you know, you are an intuitive, you have intuition. Um, I've also heard you talking about like mindfulness, um, so I'm curious, like, are there common practices that regardless, whether it's somebody who's dealing with trauma, somebody who's dealing with weight, somebody who's dealing with whatever it is, are there common practices that you 
encourage people to do, meaning okay. meditation or, you know, things like that. And I, I'd love to hear what those are. Yeah. So meditation is great. Um, I like to, um, so found, the foundation of everything I do is mindfulness. So if you're not familiar with John Kabat-Zinn um, and you're not familiar with mindfulness, definitely something to look into. And basically the essence of mindfulness is attuning your awareness to the present moment without judgment. But there are some foundations to living that this program um, educates upon. And those look like non-judgment, curiosity, compassion, non-striving. Um, and, and I find that when we get educated on what these attitudes represent and how to embody them, and we take them with us in our daily lives, they equipped us in a way that other things don't. So when you work with me, that is what the first thing you're going to get is these foundational attitudes because as you move forward when you ask a question or you're building an awareness you fall back on these and they're answers that you can give yourself does that make sense so at the end of the day i don't want you needing me mm -hmm. i want you having all the tools that you could possibly need for yourself. And these are some of the biggest ones. So meditation is a part of mindfulness. Um, it's a formal practice. I'm a big advocate of meditation, but I'm an even bigger advocate of um, um, daily mindful practices. So I'll give you a quick example. If you drink coffee in the morning, for those that don't, I guarantee is hopefully we're all brushing our teeth. Um, <laughs> you can engage all of your senses when you're brushing your teeth. I don't know if you guys have ever picked up your toothbrush and noticed what it even feels like in your hand. Or if you've ever been mindful of how you put your toothpaste on your toothbrush. But if you can just take a couple moments tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever you brush your teeth, and do that, within those couple of seconds, that's you being mindful. You're bringing your curiosity to the moment in such a simple way. So we have our whole days where we can take a minute, two minutes, five minutes to bring our curiosity to our senses and something at hand, and that is mindfulness. Some people don't want to meditate, you know, for whatever reason it may be. So this is, this is a form of getting all of that goodness without the actual meditation. Yeah, and if you've ever left the house and said, did I brush my teeth? Then yeah. you know you're not, <laughs> not being mindful. Yet. <laughs> um, I have a client who when we, after we worked together, she said, you know, I don't wonder if I locked my door anymore. And I said, that is wonderful. That is so I have such a bad habit of leaving the oven on. Yeah. Um, oh. I leave our oven on. And so yesterday I turned it on for my son to make him like an after school snack, but then he ended up not wanting that. So I, I go and funny that you should say therapy. I was in therapy and I'm like, <laughs> she said something about empowering my son. And I went, Oh my God, I love that. But I was like, in, in, I didn't text my husband. I'm like, okay, I'll remember. Forgot again. This wow. morning, I was like, did I leave the oven on yesterday? He's like, yes, you did. <laughs> I do yeah. it a lot. And it's like, that is a wake up call for me. Like I am. It is. Just not the, I want to point something out there. A word that I haven't mentioned today. That's a really important word. It's get off autopilot. Mm -hmm. You got to get off autopilot. You know, it makes no sense to be on it now. So in some places in life, we need to be on autopilot. You know, we need to be cruise controlling. 
and saying, okay, this area is good. And I'm going to let that cruise control while I tend to this area for sure. But the whole notion of being on autopilot is so unhealthy. It's insane. And it's, you know, I think, unfortunately, we've been led to believe that ignorance is bliss and it's just not. So <laughs> oh, it could be dangerous. I mean, have you ever been in a car where all of a sudden your mind is somewhere else and, you know, you really got to yeah. learn to be present. Yeah. So, Kay, you talked, uh, or I saw on your website that you have the mind, body, spirit, and then the sweet spot. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I want to be in the sweet spot. (laughs) The sweet spot is really saying, am I tending to these three areas? Mm -hmm. And where, where do they align? I said to you earlier, you know, find your gift and give it. That's your gift. That's sweet spot. What, what brings you alive, mind, body, spirit? And that's going to look different for all of us, you know? So for me, it is truly helping others and helping others through my education and my work. Okay. Mm-hmm. For others, it might be painting. Mm-hmm. Or it might be, um, you know, um, clerical work because they're so fulfilled in data entry um, and, and knowing that they're in a system. But, but you have to find what makes you on fire mind body spirit and that's that sweet spot um and most of us have touched it a little bit here and there if you're not fully living in it so there are some things you can do to say hey what could my sweet spot be and sometimes we just go simply back to childhood and say Mm -hmm. you know what did you have fun doing when you were a kid and let's just go from there so yeah that's that sweet spot I love it. And I think it's, um, it's so hard to, I think for people probably like, you know, around this age too, because you just, you get into autopilot and some days you wake up and go, what the heck, you know, what am I doing? And I've established and put in all these years and time into something that has gotten me off track. And so, and it's scary to think about how you maneuver back on track to your true, your true passion. It is. But I think that's when we need each other more than ever. You know, that's when, that's when that sense of community is, is essential um, to be able to say, hey, I'm not alone in this. And I've got friends who are going through the same experiences, you know. I think we're just all so reluctant to share that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And time seems to be going so much faster. But if you're taking the time to feel your toothbrush, to slow things down, then you're going to actually be able to experience and enjoy your time. Otherwise, it's just like, oh, my gosh, it's almost October. Yeah. yeah, and that stuff picks up in your brain pretty quickly, too. So, you know, I think for some people it seems overwhelming at first, but if you practice those little micro mindful moments, they build up so quickly. Your brain wants to grab onto that and act that way, you know, function that way. So within a short period of time, all of a sudden you're, you're learning to be objective in ways that you've never been before. And that is where, you know, your unmet potential comes in and that sweet spot and that success starts to come in. And you have that aha moment. Yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Katie, could you tell our listeners, because I know they're probably wondering, like, where can they find you? Where can they find out about your impact retreat, um, your group retreats? And yeah, let our listeners know. So I'm um, all over the interwebs. Um, <laughs> check me out on katiesandler.com. Pretty simple. If that's hard for you to remember, just Google my name. 
Um, you can also find me on Facebook. It's uh, Facebook. And then if you want to do the forward slashing, it's Katie, the impact coach. And then on Instagram, it's the impact coach. So if you navigate to any of those locations, um, you can find all information on the one-on-ones and the upcoming groups. We've got some great group retreats to Italy and Marrakesh and Anguilla coming up. So those are wonderful experience to get some impact coaching while having some cultural experiences as well. We're going to have to get you out to San Diego. Yeah. Oh, yes, please. I was supposed to be in LA soon, so I'll keep you posted on that. Let us know. Let us know. And Katie, uh, we ask all of our guests, what does it mean to you to be brave? <sighs> what does it mean to be brave? It means that life is always going to have these hurdles, right? We're like on this glorified racetrack with these hurdles, if you will. And we're all gonna face them. And I think in knowing that, that can give you some kind of motivation that when you come up on that hurdle, you have nothing to lose by getting to the other side, no matter how terrifying it is, no matter how messy it may even be. I think being brave is saying, I'm gonna get to the other side, even if I have to fall on my face under the hurdle in the mud and pick myself up and brush that mud off and laugh and say, oh my fucking God, I just did it. <laughs> and move forward with that reinforcing, empowering sense of self as a result. So to be brave means to get to the other side of the hurdle and and love myself for doing it and to continuously move forward and face those fears when they come up because it's not just about me it's about all of us awesome. i love it i love it katie thank you so much thank you for sharing your passion and for all that you do it has been such a pleasure getting to know Likewise, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time and having me today and we have got to stay in contact and I can't wait to be out in San Diego to see you ladies. It's going to happen. It is. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you. Bye.